This morning, I am going to be continuing in our series that we've been focusing on. Um, and I'm not going to do a typical Father's Day message. I asked Marshall if that's something that happens, and he said he loves fathers, but we don't really do that. He doesn't like fathers that much. I'm just joking. But um, I don't know about you. I grew up in the church, and I've heard all the Mother's Day messages and all the Father's Day messages, and it sort of goes something like this. On Mother's Day, we literally go out of our way to praise mothers, and we pretty much almost compare mothers to Jesus himself. And then when it's Father's Day, <laughs> the message generally goes like, well, there's a perfect father in heaven. Um, <laughs> so um, today I just wanted to make a special honor. I just wanted to make sure that we honor fathers. And um, we just want to go out of our way to say thank you so much to all the fathers out there that play such an important role in not only your own child's life, but so many other people's lives too. Um, I grew up in South Africa with a best friend who I knew since he was born, and his family was like my second family, and his dad was like a father to me too. And so the roles that plot fathers play in people's lives are so important, and so we just wanted to thank you, fathers, um, for your amazing contribution. Yeah. Um, okay, so today I'm going to continue, and we're going to dive deeper into the series where we're looking at, we're taking a deeper dive into spiritual formation and being rooted so that we can be faithful followers of Jesus. Um, it's based off Rich Velotis's book, and I've forgotten the name, you can ask Marshall about it, um, but it's an amazing book, and we're going to be looking at different aspects, and this morning we're going to be looking at rhythms of compassion. Um, now, this is something that is really difficult because it's not always very well published and seen, and a lot of it is very hidden work that most people will, won't know, but the people that are touched by it, it may change their life. And so that's why I feel like it's really important. Um, but before I go any further, I'd just like to pray. So... <sighs> So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place this morning. We thank you for being here. And I just ask that you come and be with us, that you come and be with me, that I may not rush past what you are trying to do, that I may step with you into this time together, that I may be sensitive to where you are leading, that it may acknowledge what you are doing. And I just pray that your kingdom come this morning, that you plant seeds in our hearts, that we may get a glimpse into the fullness of your kingdom, that we receive your love, that we receive your hope, and we receive the good news there of Jesus Christ. And I'll say you bless this time, you bless these amazing people, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So last time I forgot about the fact that I had to read a Bible verse, so we're going to do that first this morning. Um, and we're going to be reading from Mark 6.30 to 44. And it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, 
let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farm and villages to, and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to the people, to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Amen, right? We can go home. Um, I love that story, and I'm sure a ton of us all, probably all of us have heard that story in one way, shape, or form. Um, and what I've come to realize is how central compassion is to that story, that without compassion, that story probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. The word compassionate actually stems from a Greek word which is used to describe the inner organs of people, more specifically our guts or intestines. Luke actually uses the word to describe Judas's death in Acts, where his bowels are spread out everywhere. Great image, right? Now, when you hear that, we would probably wonder why that word isn't more related to, you know, the word disgusting or horror or ew, you know. More recently, the word has been more closely related to birth and its process, and the reason for this is because it's describing a varical, varical, right? Varical, very physical aspect of the emotion. There is a physical component to this emotion that reaches down to the deepest part of our souls. Compassion, then, we could say, is not a light feeling, but one that is going to affect every single part of our lives when it comes over us. It's not something that's going to be easy to ignore, but rather nearly impossible. Compassion involves both feelings and actions. Being compassionate means empathizing with someone 
to the point where we are compelled to act to help them. Now, if you know me, I'm a big proponent of empathy. Empathy is the ability to imagine what someone is going to going through by relating it to our own story. Empathy is allowing yourself to feel something that another person is feeling in order for them to feel seen. And this is an amazing sense of kindness to be empathetic. And it's necessary in our ability to love people. Being compassionate, though, is moving from empathy to action. It's moving from a place of empathy to a place of action in order to help that person. Compassion combines our ability to feel and our ability to act. It's not an either-or scenario. It's a both-and scenario. We need to both imagine and feel what someone is going through, as well as allow that emotion to move us towards that person in helping and loving them. There's a synchronization that takes place where we are integrating these two worlds so that they may become one. In this passage, we see the power of this in Jesus. Jesus is moved by compassion. His feelings of compassion propel him into the rest of the story. Karen Swallow Pryor says this, Empathy allows someone to imagine what the experience of the sufferer might be like. But compassion goes beyond empathy. Compassion characterized Jesus' earthly ministry, leading him time and time again to heal or help those who are suffering. In this passage, we see Jesus looking out at the crowd And he has compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the people and he saw that they were in need. And with that, he acted on his feelings. These feelings developed inside of him and helped him move towards them. In a way, Jesus couldn't help himself. He knew he had to move towards the lost the broken-hearted, the vulnerable, the needy. Jesus listened to his feelings, which led him to help people. When we listen to our feelings, we're able to invite the Holy Spirit to move us towards Jesus and the people he wants us to be close to. When we do this and allow ourselves to be moved with compassion, towards loving people well, we see God glorified through Jesus being at the center stage. Now, if you're anything like me, then high chances are listening to your emotions is not easy. If you're anything like Irene, my wife, then you have a PhD in listening to your feelings. I'm a laid-back guy, and listening to my feelings hasn't always been easy. I was the stoner at school that never smoked weed. I was so laid back that when I was, I think, 17 or 18, my parents sat me down and 
this was very new because they were very relaxed parents. And so I knew this was serious. And I just was going, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do? And I was very anxious because I was like, this is serious. And they sat me down and they went, we know you've been smoking weed. And this was news to me because I hadn't. <laughs> so I started laughing, which in hindsight probably didn't help them and this whole situation. So they were so convinced, they left refusing to believe I didn't smoke weed. They, I wanted to take a test to like prove to them, and they said it wasn't necessary, but they still felt like they needed to tell me that they were concerned, and I didn't know what to do with that. So I've always had this laid-back persona, and that has often led me to just detaching myself from my feelings. And um, I could go, there's probably a thousand reasons why, right? It's a combination of who I am, the environment I grew up in, the country, the culture. There's a thousand different things. But at the end of the day, I'm still left with struggling to listen to my emotions. But the older I get, the more I realize how important listening to my emotions are. But more importantly, I've seen how essential they are to my discipleship to Jesus. I've seen how Jesus's emotions were never a distraction from his ministry and calling, but integrated and were a part of his ministry here on earth. Jesus was moved by his feelings. In other verses, when we see Jesus's compassion on display, the writers actually say Jesus was moved by his compassion. So Jesus is challenging us today. He is asking us, is being compassionate an added extra in our discipleship to him, or is it central? Like Karen um, Solo Prius said, compassion characterized Jesus' ministry on earth. So as many of you know, I'm a chaplain. Um, I haven't been a chaplain for too long. But my whole entire job is pretty much around providing empathy and compassion to people. This guy, the stoner dude from South Africa, is extending compassion towards people. If you want to know the state of chaplaincy, I'm just joking. But there's two things I've realized in this job. Sorry, there's three things, but two we'll go through now. One of them is that it's really easy to pretend to empathize and be compassionate. Um, now I'm going to say some stuff that I'm going to ask you, please don't judge me, okay? <laughs> I'm being vulnerable. Um, but I will admit that I have been, there have been times when I have been distracted, and the last place I want to be is in a place of comforting people and providing compassionate and empathetic care. My mind is at the beach or some anxiety that's come over me. And my position is to provide empathetic care. And the worst part is I can say the right things and I can present myself in a way to the person that makes them think I am listening to them when in fact I am not. 
And I've noticed that most of the time, in fact, nearly every single time that happens, it comes down to one thing, and that is, it's because I've been in a hurry. I've rushed past what I feel, and I don't know where I actually am. If you have ever listened to professional fighters, they have this saying where they say that, no, I was in my body, right? When they are in trouble or if there's a situation that has come up, they are trained to know where they are in their body because this is so, so important to knowing where we are so that we know what season of life we are in. But I know that I absolutely cannot properly know, love and care for people when I'm in a hurry. And the high calling of being compassionate is not something we can do when we're in a hurry. It's that simple. It's actually impossible, I would argue. I'm, I tried practicing this person's name, but I don't know if I'm going to get it right, so I apologize in advance. But Kasuki Koyama has, thank you, <laughs> um, has this amazing little book called The Three Mile an Hour God. And his whole argument is that God walks at three miles an hour. And he says this, love has its speed. It's a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our whole life, whether we notice or not, at three miles an hour. It's the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. And what's funny is that when we notice in this passage, Jesus doesn't seem to be in a rush or a hurry. After being moved by compassion, he then goes on to teach the crowd for the whole day. And then at the end of the day, he sees that they need food. And he goes beyond his teaching, and then he goes and goes into logistics mode and feeds over 5,000 people. This is something that can be done in a hurry. He could have rushed through what he did, but that would have been not loving towards those people. We can do all the things that we have been called to, but if we're rushing through them, we're actually missing the whole point. If we want to love people well, we have to start by slowing down first. Jesus isn't asking us to fix the world's problems through programs, right? He is asking us to love people. When we are in a hurry, we cannot love people. The second thing I've learned is that I cannot extend compassion without receiving it first. And this goes hand in hand with knowing your story too. And this, uh, I think for a lot of us, is probably going to be one of the most difficult parts. We often want to be further ahead in our relationship with Jesus than we care to admit. And the horrible thing is that this leads down a road where it will affect others more than ourselves. But that's for another sermon. But the reality is we can't empathize and be compassionate towards other people 
when we haven't recognized the areas in life where we need someone to be empathetic and compassionate towards us. This means being vulnerable, and that can be super scary sometimes. Sometimes we want to be the disciples going on awesome ministry trips when we are actually in a season of being sheep in need of a shepherd. I cannot begin to know what it's like for a parent to lose their three-month-old child to a tragic accident. I am not a father myself, and I have rebuked, been rebuked for insinuating that I am because I have a puppy. But we were actually just talking about this with friends the other night over dinner and about the horrific, um, the horror of like losing a child is something that no parent wants to face. And as someone who doesn't know what that's like, I can't know what a parent who has lost their loved ones is completely going through. But the thing is, they don't need me to know for me to provide empathy and compassionate care. What I can do is I know that I have parents myself, and I can only imagine what they, could go, they would go through if they had to lose me or one of my siblings. And that feeling I get, I can relate to that person better because of it. That doesn't mean that I tell them, because that's centering me in the story, but it helps me know what they're going through. As an immigrant myself, and by the way, I'm, I'm using this as an example. I don't need compassionate care right now. But as a, if you want to take me to coffee, I'm not going to say no. But as an immigrant, most of you can't know exactly what it's like to move to another country, right? But the thing is, I don't need you to. But I bet that there have been times in your life where you have felt isolated and alone. I bet that there's times in your life where you've had friends move away and you've missed them. I bet there's times in your life where you've had something happen to you that makes you feel really uncomfortable I bet there's times in your life where you've doubted decisions you've made. Guess what? By you opening yourself to those feelings actually provides care for me too. Because it's telling me I'm feeling seen and I'm not alone. So being compassionate is knowing that and then taking it one step further to helping that person. And the trick is that can be tricky. You know, for me, it might be buying me first-class tickets to South Africa. Um, but there's a r different way in which we can be compassionate. There's no formula to the exact way. In the Gospels, Jesus has shown compassion through healing, through teachings, feeding, listening, but some of the most profound ways I have received compassion is through small acts rather than grand acts. It's been a friend taking me out for coffee or having me over for dinner. Or sometimes it's literally them stopping everything that they're doing just so that they can listen to me. 
being compassionate comes in different shapes and sizes, and it's going to depend a lot on us and what we can do. We don't need to have a lot of money, but being compassionate means to suffer with someone. And so our role is to enter into the valley with someone. I think we are so well shaped and pulled into thinking showing compassion is only giving advice or trying to help people see the positive side, right? And for all the people that are really positive, I'm not saying don't be positive. I don't want you to not be who you are. And nor am I saying that giving advice or trying to help someone be more positive, you should never do that, right? But a question we need to ask ourselves is, do we think saying this would be the most loving thing for this person? Or is saying this piece of advice fulfilling my own need to get out of the situation and be done with it? And this is when we find out that being compassionate involves a level of discernment and it involves a level of cost. There's a personal cost to being compassionate. And this is why it's not something that can be an added extra into our discipleship, but it's something that needs to be central. For Jesus, it was giving up his time of rest and his time of fellowship. Jesus had his plans of going towards chilling out, eating some tacos, turning some water into a wine, going to bed at 8.30. I've j- I'm, I'm 30 now. And my bedtime is drastically decreasing at a scary rate. It's very worrying to me because I don't know what's going to happen when we have kids. I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be praying. Um, But being compassionate means knowing that we are giving up something for someone else. It doesn't have to be monetary. It can be sometimes whether it's buying lunch, coffee, or something in order to be with someone. It could be a million different things. But through this cost, people feel loved. And I think my last point that I want to make is that when we show compassion, it has the chance of changing someone's life. We might not know it, but for them it could be the biggest act. We can't ever underestimate the power of compassion in people's lives. It might not feel like it in the moment, and this is really important. But for the person, we may never really know. And that's something that's okay. But I bet taking that risk, taking that risk of giving up something for that person, it could completely fail. And that's the risk. It might not help them at all. But it can make the biggest difference in their life. It can bring them hope. It can bring them closer to Jesus. It can make them feel seen. It can make them feel loved. And when we feel seen and loved, it's probably the most transformational thing that can happen in our lives. And so to end it this morning, I want to go over some questions. I recently was reading how the power of questions is so much more lasting in our brains 
than merely points. So I wanted to leave us with some questions we can be asking ourselves this week. And the first one is, when was the last time you received empathetic or compassionate care? And this is important. And maybe this is something that we need to go through this week or that you need to go through this week. Is there something that you've been suppressing? Is there something that you feel like you just need to talk to um, someone about? It can be small. It can be big. But one of the biggest things is to communicate to someone about it. And someone you trust that you know will be able to empathize with you, that will be able to provide with compassionate care, that knows you well. And the second one is, when was the last time you allowed Jesus to minister to you? Um, if you noticed, in, there's a real big lesson to be learned by watching the disciples in the passage. The disciples come back from a ministry trip, and they're probably on a high, right? If you've been on a missions trip, you've preached the gospel, you've probably seen some healings, people have been led to Jesus, you pretty much think you're going to be like, have a special place in heaven because of this, and you're just on this high. And this is where the disciples were. And we can preach the gospel so well, and we can see healings upon healings and still miss what it means to be a disciple to Jesus. You see, the disciples, when they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, just send them away to the towns, go eat. They were wanting to move past what Jesus was doing. And instead, it was a time for them to listen to what Jesus wanted to do next. And so there's times in our lives where we maybe need to take a step back and allow Jesus to minister to us before we make a move next. And the third one is, are there feelings you have been ignoring or suppressing lately? Um, this is going to sound really cheesy, and I prob probably none of you will do it, but I'm just going to like throw it out anyway, just as like a suggestion. Have you seen those massive feeling charts with the faces, right? And they're mostly for kids, but honestly, they should be for adults, right? Um, I would highly encourage if you are someone that has a hard time listening to your feelings, print a massive one out, or just an A4 one, it doesn't have to be massive, stick it on your fridge, and once a day, ask yourself how you're feeling, go over to the board, and pick an emotion. I promise you there's way more emotions than you realize that you're probably ignoring. Um, and the last one is, when was the last time you rested? Again, this is going back to the hurry and um, being ahead of what God is doing. But it's really hard to be compassionate without rest because we need to take the chances whenever we can to rest because just like Jesus, we may be called to be compassionate, change our plans when we don't know it. There may be times when we are ready to rest and we are being called to being compassionate. And so when we, can't, when we don't take the times that we have to rest, we're not going to be able to. And so that is crucial to being compassionate. 